dry bones, the breath of life. And so when you entered into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God entered into you and breathed into you the breath of life. You went from spiritual host his presence. And that is the title of our series, Hosting the Presence of the Spirit, as we are taking a journey through the book of Acts. So if you'll turn to Acts 16 and take your message and this little... Okay, so... The first year I was a camp counselor, at the time I came back to my cabin, my mattress was out on the front lawn, so I decided I'd give up them uh, the next year around. So I took the smaller, younger boys, not want to, uh, A, bathe, and number two, you can't keep their clothes on them. Uh, so when you did get them to bathe, they wanted to come out, you know, running around the cabin, bunk neck to me, and have sitter, and there's a little boy named Noah. And uh, Noah was the son of the uh, camp worship director of all things. So um, Noah would be halfway up his ladder, stark naked, his butt right in my face. I mean, like right here. Noah, put your clothes on. I must have said that a thousand times. And uh, Noah, please put your I retired after that. So there's my story. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. Uh, yeah, so uh, I want you to start off this morning by uh, taking your, note, your uh, outline sheet. And at the very top of it, uh, day, you know, the month and, and day, but just the, the year. And, and if like, all right, if you don't want the person next to you to see that, you know, just kind of put your hand around there. Uh, okay. Out. So you're going to live 100 years. All right. So, uh, so for add 100 years to the, the, the date you were born, and that's the date of your death. Okay. So whatever that is. And then I want you to put a cemetery. You will note that on a headstone, uh, there is the date of somebody's birth, the date of their death, and there's a dash in between. Well, that's uh, the first word that you spoke, the first time, you know, however old you were when you began walking, uh, it, it represents uh, your first kiss, your first heartbreak, your first family, your first grandchild. When you, it represents everything about your life. In kindergarten, and it was career day, and the teacher said to you, hey, what do you want to do with your life? All right? So in other words, she's saying, what do you want to do with the dash in between those dates? Uh, as, or, you know, I want to be a mermaid or whatever it might be. Uh, so you see, you, you thought, well, this is the point of my life, at least at five years old, right? It really, let's, let's be honest, at five years is what I want to be on career day. And so certainly over the course of time, those things began to change. But at some point in your life, you settled, I want to be a stay-at-home mom, or, I, you know, I, I just want to raise my kids, and, or it might be, this is the career path I want to take. And so you begin living out that dash in between the time you were born and uh, when all now begins. At some point in your life, you reach uh, a time of what you might consider getting death cycle, right? And, and what I mean, you know, spending your hours at work and you, you kind of feel trapped in this whole cycle. And so, you know, it's like every day is like the same thing. It's like ground getting up. You're, you're kindly, if you've seen the movie, feed your kids with Eggo waffles and get them out the door. And maybe you have to take them to school or get them to the bus stop. And you're late to work and your boss confronts you. Hey, this is the second day. This week you have been late. It's only Wednesday. This is a problem. We got to do something about this. He's, I know, I'm sorry. And so you go through your work. Kids now, it may it's a better practice. Hey, if you got soccer kids, put them in basketball. It's indoors. Basketball practice, football, whatever, whatever kind of practice it is. And so either you have, you know, dinner at 
4.45 in the evening rushing through McDonald's, slugging down McNuggets in their throats, or, you know, you have to wait till 9 o'clock until after practice. So you, you go through all this, and you're rushing, rushing, rushing. And you get them home, and then it's like things. you got to homework and bath and bedtime, and then you finally get them into bed. You're exhausted, and they don't want to go to sleep. You know, they're asking for another glass of water, whatever it might be. And so finally, you, you get them settled down, and you crash on the talking about work. And, uh, you, you know, you think, oh, so I think I'll watch that show. And, and then you wake up, you know, an hour and a half later, realizing you have fallen asleep again. In, and you're just absolutely physically, mentally exhausted, and you finally get yourself in the, and over time, we begin to think to ourselves, you know what, this, this cycle's killing me, and then we live for the weekend, right? We live things like, um, you know, adventure parks, weekend warriors, Spartan events where, you know, you go out and you crawl through mud, uh, uh, whitewater rafting, all those adventure things, um, are very people, monotonous, Monday to cycle that seems to go on day in and day out as we are living out our dash in life. And we think to ourselves, there's got to be more to life than this. And for adventure, for sin, we all think uh, that's going to kind of move us out of the day in and day out routine of life. And really, that's the reason why you feel that way is because that's the way God has designed you. He designed you for adventure. He designed you for something more than just the predictable, the mundane, and, and some of us even may say the boring. Because uh, quite frankly, when we just live for the weekend, we kind of like waste 71.4% of our lives all week long. And that's a horrible us. And uh, we all want to experience this. And I think this is why the Holy Spirit has come within us is because not only does he breathe into us spiritual life, but he then what is just temporary and is only short-lived. But God has created us for the eternal. He created us and he granted us eternal life through crying him. And, and why is that so adventurous? Because, listen, when you travel with Jesus, you, you don't ever get to know him completely. Right, And so God, to walk with you when he's at the sun of you and you pick up the word of God and you start reading and say, you know what, good Lord, I don't know what I'm going to face today. Uh, you know what my day looks like, but, but God, I, I this kind of like of a sense of adventure. I wonder what God's going to have me do today. And so, yes, you may have to get your kids off to work. I understand that. Get that. You have to go to work. But it might just be that while you are at work, if you look at it from the perspective of being on adventure is that God has put you as light in the midst of this darkness in your workplace so that you could be on adventure and God might use you to help those who are living in darkness and outside of the kingdom of God to come into faith to the Lord Jesus Christ and enter into God's presence and his kingdom and have it as spirit indwell them. So is taking you on adventure where you can be used by him to impact the lives of others. That kind of takes the mundaneness out of it, right? God, without on an adventure. It's only when we stop moving with the Spirit. It's only when we sit down and we just begin to soak. Service. You may go through 15 Bible studies a week, but if you never do with what you are learning and what God is inputting inside of you, it is not believers that become bored with Christ because we have... We have stepped out of the adventure. If there's anything we have noted about those in the book of Acts, as we said last week, they had a fiery passion 
to walk in the Spirit, and they were thoroughly convinced that Jesus Christ had actually resurrected from the dead. And they said to the Lord Jesus, you know what? All right, Lord, we're going to do what you say. We're going to wait in this upper room, and when the Spirit of God comes on us and he empowers us, we are setting out on one of life's grandest adventures ever. Now, do not think that all of those who were getting saved in the early church, they just, you know, like had a holy huddle just among themselves. No, they started going back to their homelands. They started going back to the workplaces, but they were still on adventure with God because they were allowing the Holy Spirit to use them in order to bring Jesus to those who needed him. And that's where the the adventure was. Because you never know what's going to turn out like. You never know what it's going to be like. And I know for some of you, most of us, when we think about, oh, you know, God using me to help somebody come to faith in Christ, that is so fearful. That that is, you know, it's so not me. Pastor, I'm an introvert. Don't you get that? I I don't want to talk to people. In fact, I don't even like adventure. It doesn't matter what your personality type is. God just adjusts your ability to be used by him to that personality type. In fact, if you look in the New Testament, there are like, you know, there are four dominant personality types. And you'll see that there are like six different ways those personality types were used in order to be on adventure with the Holy Spirit. And so this is exactly what the early church was doing. And as a result, God was literally transforming one of the darkest, most demonic um, group of people, the Roman Empire. He was literally turning it inside out and upside down because God's people were willing. It's going to be, it's not up to me, you're going to have to do it. And God says, I will do it, but guess what? You're in on this, right? And we are in. The the church is exploding. Things are happening. Signs and wonders and miracles are taking place. But on the other hand, so is persecution. So is pushback out of fight. So there is spiritual warfare that is going on. And they are confronted with it all the time. Sometimes the warfare comes from the outside. Sometimes a disagreement about something. And then they part ways. And of course, those two individuals, where we left off in chapter 15, were that of Saul and Barnabas. Remember, they teamed up together. God started them to go in the first missionaries. And so John Mark was with them. And partway through, he bails out. And so now Paul says, you know what? It's time for us to go back out. Second missionary journey. People will ground them. In you know in the in the word of God, so that they are equipped to do what we are doing, and Barnabas says, "Okay, let's get agreement," which is a polite way of saying they probably had a knockdown drag out between the two of them. And Paul says, "I round. I'm not giving him the. He is not useful to me. He quit it on the first round. I'm not giving him the opportunity to quit the second time." You take him, I'll take Silas, and we'll go our separate ways. And that's exactly what happens. So as we come to chapter 16, the chapter we're looking at today on the topic, experiencing the Holy Spirit, here's what it says. He came to Derbe and then to Lystra. Now, you remember that when Paul was there the first time, uh, they didn't treat him kindly. In fact, they stoned him and left him for dead. He's going back to the same cities where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey 
So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions uh, reached by the apostles and, and elders in the Jerusalem uh, for the people to obey. Remember the Jerusalem Council, Acts 15. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in their numbers. And so here's Paul. Uh, I think the reason why God sends him to these two cities is because God wants to attach young Timothy to the apostle Paul. Timothy was probably saved the first time Paul was there. And so Paul does. He says, you know what? Uh, I'm going to take him. And, and more than likely, scholars believe that his father was probably dead because Paul referred to Timothy as my son in the faith, my true son. And so really, Timothy um, became like the poster child for the importance of personal discipleship. And so Paul takes Timothy, he's going to pour himself into Timothy, and he is going to, you know, teach him all that he knows through observance and through doing, just like Jesus did with his disciples. In fact, later on, Timothy will eventually go to the church at Ephesus, and he's going to front the church, teach a period of time. And so Paul is building him up, discipling him, and growing. But why is it that, that Timothy is asked to be decision was not required of non-Jewish people in order to be saved because they couldn't get people to go through their new members class when they required that. So uh, they decided, look, that's not that's no longer to kind of adhere to for the sake of the Jewish people. All right, so why all of a sudden did Paul forget what the council was about? I mean, after all, they're taking letters to an issue of salvation. It is an issue of credibility. Paul knew that Timothy had a Greek father, and the areas they're going into, they knew Timothy had a Greek father. Paul just wants to make sure that, listen, that, that the Jews are not going to say, hey, we're not listening to this young kid. He's not been circumcised, and therefore it was more of a cultural thing. And so the principle required for uh, Paul was simply removing offered for the purpose of unity in ministry, and that's all Paul's doing. He wants no roadblocks for Timothy as he is, you know, discipling him and moving him. Uh, this is the Jews I became Jewish to the Greek. I, I, I you know, appealed as a Greek uh, because Paul did not want to be a stumbling block to the gospel going forward. That's the only reason why. But notice Tim, what happens to them. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Perga and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. South. Uh, the Spirit says no, so they're going to move north, and it says when they came to the border of uh, Mysa, they, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to chew. So they passed by the of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul had seen the vision when he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God... Paul says, we're going to go this direction. The Spirit of God says, no, we're not going that way. We're going to go this direction. He said, no, we're not going that way. Please understand that God's no is just as important as his go. Right? So God is trying to lead Paul to a specific area because he has three individuals all lined up who are receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So where God wants Paul to go is ultimately to Philippi. It is in Philippi that God has three individuals all primed and ready to go to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ in which at the end result of this is that this is the, the gospel is going to be going into Europe for the first time. 
Now, notice that the Holy Spirit stopped them. It, it doesn't say how he stopped them. It doesn't say Paul and Silas and Timothy knew that the Spirit was saying, don't go here, don't go here. And so Paul, being a type A personality, a little bit hard-headed, God had to give him a victory to go. I want you to end up in Philippi. Now, please understand that the Holy Spirit of God wants to give you direction in your life. And that's the first life is walking with and following the Spirit of God. So here's my question. Do you know how to hear and do you know how to follow? Because a lot of times we, you know, we've been walking with Jesus for many people for 50 15, 20, 30 years, and, and, and would truthfully say, you know what, I'm really not sure when the Spirit's, uh, the voice of the Spirit, really not sure, and there is directing. So, uh, so we develop a lot of bad methodology for hearing, trying to hear from God, all right? For some people, they use the random coincidence. So here's, I've got a teenage young boy, and he's, you know, like, Man, I, I, there's this girl in my class, and he's a Christian. He's, he's, he's like, I, there's this girl in my class. She, her name's Megan. She's just beautiful. I don't want to make a bad choice. I don't want to make the wrong choice. And so all of a sudden, you know, he, he's like driving down the road, and, and uh, he sees this shirt of the billboard are the same exact color of, of Megan's eyes, and he knows side with her age, and he's thinking, well, surely this must be of God, but I'm, I'm really not out. And all of a sudden, he hears on the radio his favorite Christian. Christian song, and he says, I'm trying to look for something. See, people come up with all kinds of things like that. I had a person for years, but they just, they just constantly plagued her and plagued her and plagued her, and she came in Brunchery Road, and I looked up in the sky, and the clouds had formed like a cross, and I just knew. I thought being a follower of Christ is putting your trust in Jesus Alone. What God is saying, how he's directing, how he's guiding, that's very dangerous. Or other people use the holy magic eight ball, but it was big and you turn it upside down. You ask it a question, turn it upside down, and there's like this floating, you're like trying. We, we do that sometimes spiritually speaking. Uh, we don't have an actual literal eight ball, but we, of uh, your heart, that must be the voice of God. Or Bible lines from God, and that's always dangerous. And you probably heard the story about a guy who wanted to find out what God wanted to say. And says Judas went and hung himself, and he thought, well, that's not good. So uh, that's got to be a mistake. It says, go and do likewise. And so now he's really rattled, and he finds the charge. This cannot. He opens up his Bible, flops it open, puts his finger. John 13, 27, whatever you were trying to discern the voice of the Spirit. Let me give you five ways that the Spirit of God, the voice of the Spirit, how to know when God's speaking when he's not, how to, how to know, how to follow that, like, well, you know, I heard God audibly and he audibly, no, but there are ways that the Spirit brings impression. But here are five I just want to mention as we set the context for what's going to happen in these conversations. Number one is through the warm your mind. Remember that before you got saved, you walked in the world. And who is the controller of the world? All kinds of mental strongholds in your thought processes that God's Spirit has to dis. right? So as the mind goes, so should you dominant thoughts. So if you look in the mirror and you think yourself processes when you were looking in the mirror, listen, God didn't put those thought processes in your mind. The evil one put those thought processes in your mind. God would never say transform the mind. So God guides and the spirit guides us to obey what God has revealed. We do the things that God desires for us to do. Number two is in our gifting. All right. So the question is, well, how do I discern what, understand what that is? And it's, it's really important. Uh, and, and we'll talk converging of um, your ability, you know, what you're good at, your passions, what you desire, 
And where that all converges, it's like the sweet spot in your life. And it's the, the gift. We'll see that in you. And, and it affirms, you know, what you're good at. And so for some of you, it might be a group of people. Or maybe it's a specific concern uh, that you have, you know. The Spirit, he's using your gifting to move you into that area of ministry. You know, for my church, I really, really feel passionate and desire to go out and be a music minister. Is that not even close? So it helps me to discern. Number three is that through the church. I needed to know what God wanted to say to them about a particular problem that was facing them and concerning the situation in front of them. And so the Spirit gave them words of wisdom and knowledge. Thirteen, when God gave the church the word, the specific God used Paul church or God uses people out of your fellowship group, maybe into your life, and you ought to adhere to that. You ought to listen to that. Number three or four is... is um, through our spirit, right? Having ambition for something. Maybe as here with, you know, with Paul, he gave a dream, a healing center, which sozo is the Greek word for salvation. And all three of us of our sins, there is salvation in Christ, but also to bring healing and to bring delivery. And that's not just physical healing. That might be emotional healing. It might be some kind of inner healing. Uh, possessed, although that may be the case, but there are spiritual strongholds that God wants, wants to do all three of those. These are the exact same things that Jesus did when he came out of the gate, and they are the exact same things that we are seeing them do all through the book of Acts, and God is not, because when Jesus comes back, he's going to be the king, he's going to be the ruler, he's going to be overseeing, and kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how does God's will, he is in partnership with us and he gave us the keys of the kingdom, and he says, now, prayer, you and I are the channels through which Jesus can bring about salvation and healing. And you don't know how to do it doesn't mean you can't do it. You need to learn. You need to kind of what we're going to be working on uh, next year. Remember what um, 17 says? For faith comes by hearing. In the Bible, it is the word rima. It means an utterance of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us that we can hear and we do what he tells us to do, then guess what happens? Our faith is built. He's given me about this healing, ministry, healing um, center, and I don't want you to just, you know, a, a place where there's counselors and there's all kinds of things, helping people with addiction. And so, you know, she grew up in a Baptist church, and it's just not normal that Baptists talk about the Holy Spirit and healing. So along with the group that she was there with, and she said, all of a sudden, the Spirit said to her, there is a woman's on her, and, and call down healing. And she's like, uh, what? Guess what she did? She did it, and so did ever, forever changed her life. And how she views the Holy Spirit. Again, here we are in Acts 16, Paul's going to... It was doing what he thought God wanted him to do. There are times when God does the exactly ex, the exact opposite of what you expect. Yeah, we all have, right? So some door, you know, unexpectedly closes. The job went, so it was denied, and so God leads us though sovereignly through His Holy Spirit, which brings. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to do this quickly. All right. He has three so conversations that he wants them to have with three different individuals what it is they did in response to that individual. And listen, you see our church? 
You see how many day on, every week on Sunday? They're going to be filled up because we are out on the streets. Actually, it's going to happen. That's God's calling upon all of our lives, not just mine. That is the alleviate some of the fears that you may have. Uh, but here's the first person they come across in chapter place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the, the women who had gathered from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart, and I love that. The Lord calls somebody to be saved. It is a sovereign work of God. Unless God opens up their heart, they're off of you. We're just responsible for sharing the message. God's responsible for opening help like a midwife. We just kind of help birth them into the kingdom and as we lead them into that to respond to Paul's message, and when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us, I mean persuaded us, and so, you know, they, they go. Brilliant, well-known, well-respected, uh, here she is, she was from Asia Minor, thigh, uh, that would use to dye clothing, and was so rare and so expensive, so obviously she is wealthy, she moves to Philippi, here's what I'm early church about her, she's religious, she's had a prayer meeting. Why Jewish males, you could not have a synagogue. And so they would go down to the river. So in a synagogue, a part of the, 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 uh, your sin. And so um, if you did not have 10 males, they could experience what the Jews called mikvah. Mikvah is, is, a, is a type of cleansing. And you, you worship and you praise. And, and so Paul finds this group of women down by the shed. So what does Paul do? He simply takes the word of God and begins explaining about the bus life to Jesus. Now listen to me. Every day of your life, listen, there are thousands and thousands of people, all right? They're not going to show up here on Sunday, but they are spiritual, and they will simply say something like, hey, uh, how about we, we study the Bible together or just read, just to sit down and read? You say, well, but what if I don't know? What if I don't know what we're reading? Ask questions. Well, we're going to read the first chapter of the Gospel of John, just about man. What do you think this says about God? Uh, what do you think this says about faith or, or questions? You're just engaging them. Why? Because you, you're letting the spirit that the Spirit has. It's as simple as that. You must look for ways in order to do. For example, in our church, right now media is free on the Bible, on topics, men, women, everything, and it does it for you. And so you just then have discussion around what you just heard. So we're trying to make this, if this seeker is going to find Jesus. And then you just pray. Maybe you'll give them Tim Keller's book on reasons for God or uh, Lee Strobel's book. He's written all kinds of incredible books like The Case uh, for Christ and The Case for Faith and The Case who's a Seeker, who's kind of like a little more intellectual and they, you know, kind of like they need the apologetics, they, they need that, that approach. There are all kinds of things you can do. You simply, as you're taking them through whatever, open their hearts, open their eyes. All right, here's the second person. So now uh, Paul, a spirit by which she predicted the future, she earned a great deal of money on her, from her owners, fortune telling. They're going to tell you how to be saved. And so this was like an annoying shrill, I, I, I can imagine, as this individuals who own her, she's, she's like the slave. She's enslaved to those and bees. And finally the apostle Paul's had enough. And he says, listen, and in in, says Paul became so spirit left her. And when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money is raised. These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs of lawful care what gods you followed or, or, or trusted in. Jesus says, as long as you... So that 
and they've taken away their, he's taken away their moneymaker. Stripped and beaten, and after they had been severely flogged, thrown in the prison, the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully upon receiving such orders. He put them in the inner modern-day thoughts and, and put their feet in stocks, which means they would put your feet in, in stocks. Extremely painful. And about midnight, what Paul and Silas doing? Oh, God, you don't love us. And you're just, uh, no, it says they're singing hymns, right? They're singing hymns. They're worshiping their pound in a miraculous way with an earthquake. He busts open, you know, the stocks. And, and the, and <laughs> verse 27, he saw the prison doors open. He drew a sword, was about to kill himself because he thought, the, don't harm yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed say, and they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. Not the same message. All right. So then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in this house. Joy because he had come to believe in God and he and his whole family. This is absolutely true. Ask that question for two reasons. Communication and illumination. And listen, Paul and all the prisoners could have fled. Now, if you're a jailer, the gift given to by the, by the Roman uh, magistrates, uh, so they stay. And so what, what happened is they the, the recipient by Paul and Silas. They held all the prisoners in there. And then, listen, there are many, many people that probably are in your sphere of influence. They're asking the question. The question is, is anybody telling them the answer? They may not seek you out, but if you're observant enough, you will come to understand when they're in transitions in their lives, they are the most open and the most areas of their lives because you, you have relationship with them, then that is the opportunity. We, we have to engage. Listen, so you take the seeker, you take the, the person who is enslaved to their sin, they're enslaved to their habits, they're enslaved to their woundedness, they're enslaved to a lot of vigils who need to hear about Jesus. The question is, is the church statistics for the Southern Baptist Convention that has been in decline for the last cocooning in our churches and we're not moving into the workplace on common ground with people, accept people where they are, right? Listen, when you're trying, you accept them where they are and you risk sharing your personal story and expect God to do his because listen, if you're not careful, you will erect walls and you will burn down bridges on social media, right? If you post that you know all, guess what, hats are idiot. According to research, it says that you get unfriended. Because people aren't back. They'll just unfriend you. In other words, they're burning the bridge between you and them. I'm just saying that you have convictions that might be burning the bridges that God has erected between you and somebody else simply because... I've seen people in this church part ways friendship-wise because of conflicting. But it's also a thing of responsibility. Be careful that that privilege. And here's the last one. The Holy Spirit puts God on display in the midst. They're in prison. They're beaten. They're in become the platform for your proclamation. In other words, as you'll notice in the, if you read the rest of the chapter... Paul says to the magistrate, put us into prison. Why didn't Paul say that right up front? Why didn't he say that before? You can't touch us. We're Roman citizens. You've got to give us a fair trial. You're going to suffer a lot of things for my namesake in order to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. I believe Paul appointment for you with a jailer, and I need to get you there in order for that to happen, and it's a miracle in the midst of it. 
set back. There's been all kinds of painful events in your life. But I'm telling you, what is, what is and the jailer, I'm sure you need to see it coming. Don't be surprised by it. Psalm 112, 17 says, the, the righteous have no fear. See it coming. Jesus says, this, you're going to have trouble coming and you see it through, right? You've got to make a choice to never cease praising God. Watch violence in our own land, but you, say, you are not saving. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why Step back and look at the nations. I'm about to do something that will absolutely amaze. When we have painful events in our lives, and those who are seekers us and watch us and listen to us in the midst of all of that, it is of Jesus when they see you experiencing and walking through that valley of your shadow around you. No one's asking you to minimize your loss. No one's asking you to give it up. Declare God's goodness. Declare God's sovereignty. Declare God's provision. And if you may not want to smile, why? Because prisoners are listening. Co-workers are listening. Native church, and we gather, and we listen. We lift up our voices, and I know that some of you are going through because that's just the way life is. But if we choose to walk with the and we do so with praise and worship on our lips, though up my maybe because he is the one who has never left me, he has never forsaken me. And I know that you can do that here on Sunday. You can worship in ways, I mean, you, you can get to the I know when I was a teenager, I didn't want to sing, I didn't want in a worship service, and so like, you know what, so begin to sing, and, and uh, you know, it's really weird to me. But I'm telling you, if you know, if you just like, you know, get your hands unfolded. Uh, you mean high five Jesus, all right? I don't, but express yourself. Listen, I, I sang, and Urban Meyer's on the field, but I want to tell you something. Urban Meyer is not going to be at your daughters, will not overcome you. And when the game is over and he walks off the field and he goes home, then the Buckeyes. Take your pain and use it as a platform, and I can assure you that people will rise up and listen. Experiencing the Holy Spirit requires two things, risk and sacrifice. The world needs to hear about Jesus, and we are the messengers. Father, we 